We continue our series about Joseph. Tonight, the lesson is God can use you no matter your circumstances. As a minister, I've heard it many times. Someone will look at me and will say, God can't really use me because, and they fill in the blank. They fill it in with their particular circumstance, their particular storm of life. It doesn't matter really what circumstance they fill in the blank. It really doesn't matter what reason they give because it's really not a reason. It's an excuse. You see, God can use us no matter what is happening in our lives. Storms of life will happen. Situations will present themselves. But you can still, I believe, make a difference for the Lord. No matter what is happening in your life, you can change your storms of life, your problems, into golden rays of service to God if only you look for the opportunities. Tonight, I want us to take a cue from Joseph himself. By the time we get to Genesis chapter 41, what's happening with Joseph? Joseph has been in prison for approximately 13 years. And he's forgotten. His family has forgotten him. The brothers know that he's not dead, but Jacob thinks he's dead. So the brothers have forgotten him. Even he has been forgotten by the one man who could have helped him. We looked at that guy last week. In some Bibles, he's called the chief butler. In some other Bibles, translations, he's called the cupbearer. And remember, Joseph helped him. And all he asked, just remember me. Remember me. But the man did not remember him. And it has now been 13 long years an Egyptian prison for Joseph. But even there, in the place of his affliction, God, God used Joseph in a very remarkable way. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 41. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years... Two full years after the butler, the cupbearer, had been restored to his position. That Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly they came up out of the river, seven cows, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Now, this is not an odd scene. If I was to ask George, George, have you ever seen cows come up out of water, maybe a pond, whatever? Yeah, they'll come up, they'll go out of there in the water, they'll cool down in the summer, they'll get a drink, and they'll come up out of the water and feed. But here is where it was different. Notice verse 3. 
Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate. This is different now. A cow eating another cow? That's not what you see every day. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. He slept and dreamed a second time. And suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plump and good. Oh, that's, that's a good crop there. That's a mighty fine crop. Then behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. We got two dreams. And in their culture, dreams were very important. They believed that, that God could convey to them in dreams. And of course, God did sometimes do that in dreams. Even the Egyptians who did not follow the true God, they worshiped idols. They even believed that their idols could talk to them through dreams. Verse 7, And the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning, that his spirit was troubled. He sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams. But there was no one, no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Pharaoh's got two dreams. They are perplexing dreams to Pharaoh. He calls all the people that he depends on, the wise men, the men who practice magic, but they have no idea. They can't figure it out. Verse 9, Then the chief butler, your Bible may say cupbearer, spoke to Pharaoh saying, I remember my faults this day when Pharaoh was angry with his servant and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker. We each had a dream, and one night he and I, each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. He tells Pharaoh, hey, me and the chief baker, we had dreams. And guess what? There was a guy down there in prison with us, this guy named Joseph, and he told us exactly what the dreams meant. And the dreams came true according to what Joseph had said. Verse 15. Joseph is called to Pharaoh. Verse 15. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard that it said of you that you... You can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, oh, It is not in me, God. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. I love that response of Joseph. 
Pharaoh says, well, I've heard that it's you that can do this. And Pharaoh says, or Joseph says, oh, no, Pharaoh, it's not me. He literally says in the Hebrew text, not me, God. God is the one that will do it. God is the one that will interpret the dream for you. Pharaoh tells Joseph the dream. And once again, notice here as we read verse 25. Notice again, Joseph gives all the credit to God. The 13 years in prison had not embittered this man. His faith, even though he had been forgotten, his faith was still strong. Verse 25, Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. Two dreams, really one message. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. You're going to have seven good years of crops. Seven bumper crops. And then you're going to have seven years of nothing. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be bad. What you need to do, Pharaoh, is you need to appoint some wise man to what? Gather up during the good years. Gather up the food and store the food. Because you're going to have enough food to last the seven bad years. Pharaoh and his court, they think that's a pretty good idea. Huh, wonder who we can appoint. Like, how about this guy right here? How about Joseph? We will appoint Joseph to be the guy in charge of this plan. And what Joseph did? Joseph followed through with his plan. He stored up all the crops, the food, during the good years. And the only place that had food during those bad years was Egypt. And God is going to use that situation to get Jacob and the other brothers down to Egypt and to be reunited with Joseph. Joseph had a dream. Remember that dream he told his, his parents and his brothers of how he was going to become leader of his own little tribe someday. But God said, no, we're going to make it bigger than that. God made him what? A world ruler, second in charge of all of Egypt, and put him in a place, put Joseph in a place where he could save not only his family, but many other people as well. In fact, think about this. Joseph's actions here preserve the line through whom the Messiah would come, the Savior of the world. You know, God used Joseph. Used Joseph in the place of his affliction while he was in prison. And God can use you and me today in such places. No matter what our circumstances might be, 
All we have to do, like Joseph, is trust God. Trust God to use you for His glory. Go back to this story. Did Joseph complain? Did Joseph, when he got pulled out of prison, did he say, well, it's finally time. You should have done this 13 years ago. Did Joseph point a finger at that butler, that cupbearer, and say, why did you do it to me? Why did you forget me? No. Joseph just put all his marbles in one sack. That's God. He trusted God. And because of that, he was used for God's glory down here in Egypt. Back in January 24th, 1975, a very famous pianist named Keith Jarrett recorded a live album. He played in front of an audience at the Cologne Opera House. That particular piano album has become one of the best-selling solo albums in jazz history. But you know what? It should not have happened. It should not have happened because someone forgot. They forgot to bring in the piano for the concert. You know, the, the great master, Keith Jarrett, you know, he always played on a, a very expensive piano, a, a, just a wonderful machine. And he would always play on that. But somehow, in some way, they forgot to ship it in to the opera house. So on the night of the performance, all they could find was an old, ratty, old practice piano that was put back in storage. So here comes out on the stage this master performer, and he's performing on something that, well, even our children probably would not even want to play on. But that master pianist, turned that ratty old piano into a sweet-sounding machine. And that album became one of the best-selling solo albums of all time. Here is my point. The Master, God Himself, He loves to do the same thing. God loves to turn our simple lives into something beautiful. If only we will let Him, if we will let Him have His way with us, we can do marvelous things in service to Him. Trust God to do it for you. Trust God to use you for His glory in whatever place you are, whatever situation you are. More than that, trust God to make you forget your troubles. When we battle our situations, our circumstances, you know, we can start piling up the troubles. We can start piling up the reasons why we are not happy, 
while we are not satisfied, while the world is against us. It's easy to moan and groan and play poor pitiful me on the record player. Trust God to make you forget your troubles. Genesis chapter 41, verse 50. Joseph is blessed with the birth of two sons. The first one, Manasseh. That's a different name. That's not a name you hear all the time. It comes from the Hebrew word, which means forget. God made Joseph forget all his trouble. And God can do that for you as well. Join with me in John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Notice what the Lord himself says. Verse number 20. Most assuredly I say to you that you will weep and lament. How many of us live without problems? We all have problems to some degree. But the world, it seems the world's rejoicing. And you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. It's painful. The labor pains are painful. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, remember that moment when you first saw your child? She no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being Therefore, you now have sorrow. He's speaking to a group of men that they're going to face a lot of sorrow in the coming hours because the one they had depended on, the master, was going to be arrested and crucified on a cross. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take. From you. Is the world against us? Most definitely, yes. The world is against us. Things that are happening, well, this is no longer Mayberry, is it? Things are not going the way we would like to see things go. But one day, one day, the Christian will reign supreme. We win in the end. And that's what matters. Because in the end, we have all eternity to enjoy heaven. When your faith is in Jesus, even though you go through times of great grief, great pain, great troubles, Jesus can turn that grief into times of such joy that you forget the pain. Please trust the Lord to do it for you. Put your faith in Him. Whatever you do in your pain, don't give up on Jesus. Whatever happens, don't give up on Jesus. Just recently, 
I was talking and have had actually several, several sessions with a young lady whose husband had given her an ultimatum. Either quit the church or I'm going to leave you. What did I tell that young lady? You can't leave God. Don't leave God. We can try to work on your husband. Maybe he will listen. Maybe he won't. But you can't give up on God. Keep on trusting God. Keep on trusting God. Whatever your problem might be, trust God until you kind of forget the pain. You kind of forget the problems. Because why? God can turn your situation into praise, just like He did for Joseph. Going from prison to being second in charge of the whole nation. You know, most things we like to remember. We like to remember when our children are born, those great accomplishments that they achieve, the joys of life. But you know, there are things that we would rather forget. There are 55 people currently in the United States who have a very unique disease. It's really not a disease, it's a condition. In their condition, they remember everything. They have tremendous capacity to remember everything, especially the bad things, the hurts, the disappointments, the problems. As one person said, one of these 55, it feels like I'm living in a literal hell every day of my life. You know, remembering the bad is tough. But when you are a Christian, you don't think about the bad. You think about the good. You see, it's a blessing to forget the bad. And it's a blessing that Jesus has promised to us that trust Him and obey Him. We don't get bogged down in the bad. Whatever place you're in today, whatever trouble, whatever circumstance you are in, trust God. To use your, your circumstance, to use your circumstance for His glory. Trust God to help you forget your pain in that place. And at that very place, trust God to make you fruitful as well. I mentioned that Joseph had two sons born. The second one was named Ephraim. Ephraim, the word Ephraim means doubly fruitful. And think for just a moment how Joseph became so fruitful. He became the Savior of the world at that point. Because everybody was coming to Egypt to buy food. Because there was no food anywhere except in Egypt. And that's how God was going to get Jacob and the other brothers 
eventually to Egypt and to be reunited with Joseph, their brother. You see, folks, I believe God can use you no matter your circumstance. You can impact friends and family for generations. God can use you. God could even use a guy named Phil Kemp. I have mentioned his life, his story a couple of times. Phil was diagnosed with cancer. His doctors in Memphis said, Phil, you probably only got about six more months to live. Tell your family, get your affairs in order. You're not going to make it. The church prayed fervently for Phil. Phil, that tumor that actually literally you could see growing, a big knot on his forehead. Remember that, Lisa? For some reason, which the doctors in Memphis could not explain, that tumor stopped growing. The methods of treatment at that time, the doctors said, none of these methods are going to work on you. The tumor stopped growing. Phil lived for 17 more years. So what could Phil do? Phil, up to that point, really, Phil had just really occupied a pew. He was pretty good about attending, but that's about it. He just kind of occupied a space in a pew. Phil got involved in World Bible School, teaching people about Jesus. By the time Phil died, Phil had actually taught over a thousand people. A thousand, over a thousand people had obeyed. He taught more than that, but over a thousand people had obeyed the gospel. Phil, Phil was not the sharpest knife in the drawer, okay? Not the smartest guy around. But he said, I know how to do this. When he was shown how to do a World Bible School lesson, he said, I can do that. And even though he had other health concerns, Phil faithfully did his World Bible School lessons. And for 17 years, Phil lived his life. You see, God can use you. God can use you no matter what your situation might be, no matter your talents, no matter your abilities. God can use you. First, to impact your five. That's first. And then, even like Phil, maybe even impact more than that. Let me challenge you tonight. Before you go to bed tonight, think about your five. Call your five up. Beg them. Say, we've got a program starting Monday tomorrow at noon. Christianity 101. How long is the first lesson, Billy? Okay, not very long at all. 
Just say, hey, a little short lesson. Would you watch it? I'd really appreciate it. You would watch it. Now, these five people you love, so I'm going to assume they love you, okay? How can they say no to you if you ask them to do it? Plus, you can say, you don't have to watch it at noon. You can watch it anytime after it plays at noon. You can watch it anytime. Watch it. Would you? Please? How many of your close friends would say, no, I will not watch it? I'm going to say to you, I don't think very many would just say no. I mean, if, they, if you love them, they probably love you. You've got that connection, family, friends, whatever. They're going to say yes. You never know what could happen. Would you do that for your five? You see, God can use you no matter what. Are you a Christian? All it takes is faith. All it takes is that willingness to repent, that confession. Mark, I remember that confession you made this last week. That was wonderful. To be baptized, washing away your sins. Most of us here are Christians. Do you need to seek forgiveness? The church is ready to pray with you and for you. Billy has a song picked out to encourage you. Will you do that today? Will you do that while we stand and sing for your encouragement? Kneel at the cross.